Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Market Bites podcast, joined by the main man in Sydney, Australia, Josh Gilbert. How are you? I'm very good, Sam. How are you today? Yeah, yeah, very well. Very well. How's your week been? It's been good. Yeah, we're getting into a little bit of winter here in uh, in Sydney. It's getting a little bit chillier, putting the old coat on when I'm walking to work in the morning. Um I'll tell you what, I will make an early observation of of, walk, of walking to work this morning and something that I did notice um, is that I just think I need to own more Apple stock. Every single person walking from the train station to their office has a pair of AirPods in or owns an iPhone. The the and We're going to talk about Apple, I think, at probably some point in this podcast, given that they're reporting earnings this week. But it is insane how many people own an Apple product. Yeah, it's it's mental. It's absolutely incredible how many people do. Year to date performance of Apple um at the moment is up twenty-nine percent. So I wonder how many people were thinking the same thing. Technically it looks pretty good as well. But yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll also, I guess, touch upon the FOMC meeting, which happens Wednesday, um, for for those that are listening on a Wednesday. Uh and then we'll also talk about the king's coronation so itoro put together a lovely bit of research so we're going to focus on a selection of the king's favorite firms and then we're going to see if it outperforms the FTSE 100 how does that all sound yep sounds good i'm a bit disappointed i'm not getting the bank holiday for the coronation here in australia but hey ho hey ho well unfortunately the saturday which is when it all kicks off is is looking looking rather stormy is that um, a sign of things to come? We'll have to wait and see. Quiz question. Um, for, for those that are listening on a day that isn't Wednesday, the Fed would have already made their decision. So I'm going to say that they're going to raise rates. Let's just say that for the sake of this quiz question. If they haven't, all hell's broken loose. But uh, the question <laughs> is, uh, and let's just try to predict the future. The Fed has now hiked interest rates for the 10th time. 25 basis point increase to 5 to 5.25%. This is the highest Fed funds rate since when? That is the quiz question. Year for one point, the month for two. So raising rates that for, for the 10th time up to 5 to 5.25%. Uh, and that is the highest since when? Answer at the end of the podcast. To help you with that while you think, let's actually talk about the FOMC. They're obviously meeting today or Wednesday, whichever way you want to look at about it, and expected to raise by 25 basis point. That alone is it's priced in, hence why I'm so confident to include it in the, the quiz question. 
Um, but if they were to cut or to keep things unchanged or raise by 50 basis points instead of the 25, the markets really would go berserk. Cut or unchanged equities, risk assets, you'd expect a big push higher and some dollar weakness. And then on the flip side, if they were to hike 50, uh, then we would see the opposite reaction. But Josh, what are you, you keeping an eye on here? Uh, and what is the forward guidance uh, that investors will be keeping an eye on? Yeah, well, I think it's good that you've mentioned both scenarios there, right? In terms of, you know, we could get a, a pause, you know, there's, I mean, a cut would just be crazy, but, you know, a 50 basis point move. And I think it's it's worth noting that because investors should always expect a potential surprise. We saw it earlier uh, in the week with the RBA who hiked by 25 basis points. The market priced in a 90% chance of a pause. Uh, I think at the moment, last time I checked, it was an 87% chance of a 25 basis point hike from the Fed. And the vast majority of economists also expected a pause as well. So it caught everyone out of left field. And straight after the announcement, it threw the market well off. Um, I think the instant reaction was the ASX fell by about 0.7%. You'd get a much bigger reaction from US markets, of course. But um, still, it, it came out of left field. We had the AUD soaring as well. And we've also seen some more weakness over um, you know, today as well. Um, and, and that just simply comes from the fact that markets hate uncertainty. And that's what the RBA offered up here. It was uncertainty to investors. They paused in April, hiked again in May. They did leave the door open. It's 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 worth pointing that out. They did leave the door open. You know, they didn't completely write this off. Um, but you know, when the markets you know so heavily priced something in, it, it did come out of left field. So, although a, vi- a fifty basis point move seems unlikely, um, it's worth. It, to not rule it out um but the same with the pause you know particularly after the banking issues that we've seen over the last week as well i think i did have a look on bloomberg a little earlier at the start of the week and there was a couple of economists tipping a 50 basis point move as well um and there was a couple of economists tipping pauses so you know that the, there is a potential there but despite all of that as we said earlier they do look set to hand down that 25 basis points hike in which you know it will likely be that sort of one final sort of insurance hike i think uh for the fed um look us inflation as we know is is still sort of the most important number in markets um and although headline inflation fell in march to 5% the worry was that core inflation jumped to 5.6% um, and as we say, that's why the market is pricing in uh, such a high expectation of another hike. And outside of inflation, I think there are also some key indicators to take into account as to why we're probably like to see that hike. We've still got unemployment that's very low. Consumer confidence rose in March. Equity markets have, have still gained this year. Consumers have remained pretty resilient. We've got the Nasdaq up sort of 14, 15 percent so far this year as well. You know, so although we've had those banking issues that have helped do some of the Fed's job so far this year with you know tighter liquidity, slowing loan growth, and inflation expected to fall faster, you know, I still think they're going to hand down you know one more insurance hike. Let's really sort of make sure. Um, to come back to sort of your point, Sam, in terms of commentary, what to look for, I think the focus will be on the tone and and the comments from Powell. I guess in the sense that does he does he hike and then stay hawkish? Does he keep the door open for 
for more hikes. As I say, we had it with the RBA, paused, kept the door open for another hike, hiked again. I don't think that the Fed will do that. I, I see it as unlikely for them to pause and then hike down the line. But I think that if he does hike and we see this as the peak, maybe we'll see some more dovish comments from the board, particularly maybe that they are done with hikes, but might also then um, sort of res- you know, sort of try and resonate with investors that we won't get any rate cuts this year because the market is pricing in two rate cuts this year. And, and Jay Powell has tired his best to say that there won't be any. Um, so I think, again, his, his comments will be crucial for the market's you know, thinking and what they're pricing in. If he's done, if he says they're done with with sort of rate hikes, market's going to like it. I think. I think the market's going to react really well to his commentary if he's if he's dovish. Um, obviously, rate cuts, uh, you know, are going to be good news uh, for risk assets. And and I think that if he if he does sort of hand that down and he does have that dovish tone to say that the, the Fed are done, which I, I think is unlikely, but if he does, you know, should shape up to be a, a bit of a better second half of the year for risk assets. Yeah, that's what uh, tech investors, crypto investors, risky asset investors would love to see. And it was certainly interesting with the RBA earlier in the week, taking the market uh, by surprise there. The Fed meeting uh, expected UK 7pm with the press conference 30 minutes after for those that are in the uk but um not everyone that listens to this is so unfortunately you're gonna have to work that out yourselves um let's now focus on apple um fangs isn't really a a thing anymore but but just for the sake of it let's have a quick look at the earnings day performance of the other companies that have reported so far it's just apple actually left to go meta finished the day of their earnings up 14%, Amazon down 4 Netflix down 3 Google was flat. So to be honest, pretty mixed, um, but they've all had a very good start to the year, especially Meta. Microsoft, who we can chuck into the convo uh, because their size finished up 7%. So for Apple investors or watchers, what will contribute to its earnings day move? Well, it was a pretty decent week, as you've just sort of mentioned there, um, from earnings. I think every name that you mentioned, bar Netflix, I think beat, uh, beat estimates. Um, and I think, again, it was pretty resilient. We, we've sort of had this expectation that we're going to see these earnings sort of fall off a cliff, and, and that sort of just haven't, hasn't happened. So I think investors' expectations are high heading in. So I think, you know, there's not much room for error uh from apple heading in uh to earnings this week i think the worry heading into the report is is in terms of this sort of global slowdown in in spending especially on high ticket items but also in sort of computer device spending you know especially if there's you know less demand for its you know its mac um that accounts for about 10 percent of apple's revenue you know samsung just announced some pretty bleak results as well i think it was um you know, one of their worst earnings results for, for years. And I think that's something to, to sort of bear in mind, but we know Apple is a fiend of its own and um, usually delivers. The focal point, as usual, will be the iPhone. It's obviously the primary revenue driver. I think we can look to China, um, where obviously, you know, it, it's a fifth of um, their, their revenue comes from China, which is obviously huge. So that reopening, I think, is going to be really positive. Um, I think obviously supply chain disruptions will have been eased on the back of that as well. We know they've got plants there, so that will obviously be a massive help. 
Um, so those are all talking points. I think given the current environment as well, I'd like to hear from management on sort of the fine tuning of maybe expenses for the full year, you know, trying to really help margins, especially if margins do soften. I think those comments will be scrutinized by the street. It's kind of the, um, the year of optimum spending um, for a lot of these tech names, you know, what are they spending on a lot of scrutiny over that? I think, a lot of focus also will be on services. That's their second highest uh, revenue segment. Um, if you haven't seen, um, Apple recently launched a high yield savings account, um, which I just think is, is again, just keeping you in that ecosystem of Apple. But that's sort of a billion dollars in deposits in just four days, um, which is, is crazy numbers. So I think commentary around that will be interesting because, again, if you're then including you know, finances, banking, Apple wallet, cloud, you know, you're just integrated into that ecosystem and there's no way you're ever going to leave once, once you're in. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, you know, everyone's got a pair of AirPods and an iPhone these days. So I, I would like to see commentary around that. And I think also commentary around the AI space. Um, you know, Tim Cook mentioned it uh, on the last earnings call that we had um, in the first three months of this year. We've also seen it be heavily focused on from Microsoft, from Amazon, from Alphabet, uh, even Meta as well. So that will be really interesting to see what Apple's doing in the space. Um, so revenue expected to climb by four and 4.8% year over year to 92 billion. Uh, earnings look set to fall by about 6% as well. Um, and look, I said earlier, Apple investors aren't accustomed to being disappointed on earnings. They were let down last quarter. That was the first time that it's happened for many, many quarters. Um, so I think investors will be expecting a lot and then they will, will need a lot as well in order to sort of underpin um, what you said earlier, Sam, was what, a 29% gain so far this year, which is sort of outperforming some of those other big tech names. So need a strong result here, I think, to to uh, to, to please investors and, and to keep the market happy. Yeah, Apple at the moment is the S&P 500's top weighted holding uh, and that is actually uh 7.2 which is the most it has ever been for the s p 500 for the top holding just to put that in perspective we can go back to the sort of mid 2006 sevens uh five percent was the top weighting there for exxon mobile just before the millennium so 1999 4.9 percent for microsoft and then one of the previous highest was ibm 6.4 percent uh, which was 1985. So 7.2% for Apple is the weighting of the top holding in the S&P 500. Uh, obviously, things can change post-earnings, uh, and that is expected Thursday after the market close. A pretty big week, really, for markets. I mean, we've had the RBA announcement. We've also got the FOMC today. You've got US Services PMI, which is you know something to keep an eye on. You've got the ECB. You've got Chinese data tomorrow. Uh, as well as non-farm payrolls on Friday. So, yeah, a busy one uh, and continues to be busy next week. This time next week on Wednesday, the 10th is the next inflation reading. Um, okay, so as mentioned, Apple report Thursday. we got the jobs report as well. And that really wraps up something that investors are going to keep an eye on this week. Really important one. You know, whether we finish this week and head into the weekend and risk on or risk off mode 
time will tell, but I think it'd be very, very telling. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you, you think about that, that Fed meeting, depending on which way they go, markets have priced in 25. If we get a surprise, you know, it's going to be a really interesting few days. And then with Apple reporting, depending on which way they go, again, given it's waiting on the S&P, it's going to have a big effect. Um, but yeah, in, interesting week. And then obviously, as we roll into the weekend, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how investors position for next week as well. Um, but speaking of the weekend, we mentioned um, firstly, do you have any plans, any, anything you're, you're doing and going to take in on the bank holiday? Secondly, I did see uh, the, the interesting article that we did put out um, about an index of, of 10 of the leading companies with the brands holding the Royal Warrants. What was it all about? Has it done good? Has it done bad? Tell us more. I want to know more. Yeah, well, well first of all, and most importantly, what are my plans for, for the mm. Saturday? Um, pub crawl uh, locally, taking in the atmosphere um, nice. for for the whole day. And like I said, unfortunately, the weather's not supposed to be great, um, but we'll be inside taking it in, watching it all unfold, and, and maybe we'll we'll uh, only have British drinks or something like that to, to feel patriotic on this fabulous day. Secondly, really interesting article. Uh, I'm sure some people have, have already seen it, but if not, let's just talk about it. So there's an index of, of 10 companies, 10 companies with brands holding these royal warrants, which are firms that supply the monarch's household. And they've almost doubled in value since April 2020. So they have therefore outperformed the FTSE 100. Of course, the FTSE relatively near its all-time high at the moment. Uh, the Royal Warrants are a coveted seal of approval, which therefore, you know, can boost sales and they, you know, range from multinational companies to individual craftsmen. Uh, the top performing companies um, in the Warrant Holders Index include Burberry, you know, not massive surprise there. Watches of Switzerland, and we can see where we're starting to go here, these luxury items, uh, and then Twinnings as well. Um, Mike Ashley's Fraser's Group, the owner of Royal Warrant Taylor, Jeeves and Hawks, has also seen a 250% rise in value. Richmond, the luxury goods, again, giant that owns shotgun and rifle maker Purdy, and Hermes, the parent company of John Loeb Shoes, have almost tripled in value. So these luxury companies here have done very, very well, thanks to these royal warrants. Uh, ben made some comments. Ben Laidler, our global market strategist here at eToro, is saying how the strong performance of this index really does go to show that heritage and luxury products sell well, regardless of economic ups and downs. I mean, on that, I think we've got Ferrari near all-time high. We've got LVMH near all-time highs. Not necessarily things you see in a recession, but the rich get richer, right? Uh, he also went on to add that uh, brands included in the index all have unique histories, uh, and that makes them a popular pick, even if times are tough. And that's absolutely uh, that's fair. However, not everything has done amazing. Um, Aston Martin which has, has seen a 95% drop in value uh, since its IPO. I mean, looking at that chart, if anyone's got a bit of time, have a look at the Aston Martin chart. It is insane. One-way traffic, pretty much. 
uh, and flirting pretty much near its lowest ever price. Brewer, Shepherd, Neem and Parker Penn's owner, Newell Brands, have also seen share prices drop there. And then some of the privately owned companies with warrants include Fortnum and Mason, Prestat and Floris. So quite an interesting report there. It's outperformed the FTSE 100. It'd be, I guess, interesting to see how they perform over time will there be better luck for Aston Martin and will these luxury brands continue to push on um at the moment it, it seems like that is going to be the case and then if you chuck in the end of uh higher rates then maybe you know where we can see a continuation higher for for the time to come but yeah an interesting uh an interesting article and interesting findings yeah absolutely I mean if you'd have gone back and said that, you know, a lot of those luxury brands would be outperforming given the current environment, budgets are being squeezed. Obviously, as we say, rich get richer. And, you know, some of those, um, you know, you know, luxury brands have, have continued to do well and, and people have continued to spend on them. But, you know, again, when you think about the stocks you would think about buying, you probably wouldn't turn to those straight away. So it's a bit of a turn up, turn up for the books, really. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, okay, review of the quiz question of the week. The question was, and really I'm putting my neck out here to presume that the Fed have raised by 25 basis points. So let's say they have. It would be the highest Fed funds rate since what month of what year? Do you have a, a guess for me, Josh? Got absolutely no idea because I definitely wasn't born. Um, let's go... May 1976. <laughs> you definitely were born by, by this. So it's the highest Fed's fund rate oh. since September 2007. So just before the oh. financial crisis where it just went off a cliff. Oh, shows um, how much I know, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, but uh, you know, the RBA shocked us. So it could be the highest since a different date. But that is that's a bit of history there for, for you all. Uh, the context yeah, i would have been about 10 so that's it yeah you definitely yeah, yeah. wouldn't have known uh, <laughs> by that um but look we'll, we'll wrap it there uh we'll be back next week i imagine talking about the reaction to the fomc and then the preview for the us inflation and also how apple performed and what the jobs report was massive week and it really feels like this month is about to kick on and of course we're going to have to fight the seasonality. The selling may go away. Can we get through that? Can we break the highs in the S&P 500 at 4,200 you know, since February and then really start to, to push on? We'll have to wait and see, but busy week ahead. Uh, and Josh and I will be here to review that all and preview uh, some more topics from next week. Josh, thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care, everyone. Trade safe. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.